All right, cool. So welcome to this talk. Um, today we are talking about emotional eating. I think it's quite an important talk to have. Um, I think we all do it. I think sometimes we see it as a really negative thing. Sometimes it's a really positive thing. Um, so today is mainly looking at what emotional eating is, maybe the reasons why we do it, and some tips to maybe help curb it if you feel like it's something that you want to get a bit of a grasp on or you don't really enjoy doing as frequently as you do if it's something that you do quite regularly. If you have questions throughout, pop them in the chat box. Um, otherwise, I'll take questions at the end as well. So emotional eating, the aim of this is to kind of bring some awareness over your habits and maybe your coping mechanisms. Um, so we're going to start with what emotional eating is. So when we talk about emotional eating, it tends to be the tendency to eat more in response to a set of cues or emotions. And it mainly has negative connotations. People often find themselves like desperately fighting to break this pattern of eating once they engage in it. I mean, sometimes it can be quite necessary. I know that if I've had a particularly bad day or feeling a bit stressful, like sometimes a donut really is going to make me feel better um, and it is going to bring me some short-term comfort. But for most of us, emotionally, it can become a problem if we take it too far. So maybe we lose control of what we're eating, how much we're eating. Maybe it starts to, to become more of a binge and then you end up feeling worse off than you began. I think that's when emotional eating goes from you know, comfort eating and giving us some short-term relief to being quite problematic is when we end up feeling worse than we did before. And that's when we can kind of get stuck in this emotional eating cycle. So if this sounds like you and you maybe feel like you are stuck in a bit of a cycle and you are consistently turning to food, then this is something that we're going to look to address in this talk and maybe what is driving it and how you can navigate it a little bit better. So why do we reach for food? There's psychological and physiological reasons why we eat in response to emotions. Um, physiologically speaking, certain emotions like stress and anger, sadness, they increase the release of the stress hormone cortisol. Hormazole, that's good, put two words together. Um, and cortisol is responsible for enhancing our appetite and it basically tells our brains that we need sugary and fatty foods. So that is kind of the biological reason why when sometimes we feel a bit stressed, we're just like, oh, I'm just going to have a bloody donut or a croissant or a brownie or chips, whatever's, whatever's near us or whatever is easy that we think is going to give us that short term gratification. Psychologically, obviously, some emotions are not very pleasant to experience. It's not nice to feel stressed. It's not nice to feel anxious. So talking from experience here as well. Sometimes we find ourselves emotionally eating in a way or means of trying to escape or avoid these emotions. And we turn to food as a coping mechanism because it brings us that immediate sense of pleasure. And in that moment, we feel quite happy and it can then mask these emotions and basically distract us. But it's only temporary. And that's why it then becomes quite problematic if this is something that we're doing all the time. You know, some people can cheer themselves up with just one chocolate bar and they don't go and then binge on everything else in the house that's made of chocolate. Um, but for others, that might not be enough. You know, you might have one donut and that still isn't making you feel any better. And it's not helping to suppress those emotions. And that's when we can find, find ourselves kind of in this little 
rut or this cycle of just hoovering up whatever's near us, just trying our damnedest to kind of feel a little bit better than we currently do. So those are some of the reasons why we reach for food when we feel emotional. What I really need to get us to all distinguish between is the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger. And sometimes I think that's what people struggle with. And that's another reason why we can find ourselves emotionally eating. And it becomes this out of control thing because we don't know the difference. So physical hunger has a slow, gradual onset. Like it will kind of increase throughout the day or throughout a period of time. I'm sure you've all noticed this. Like you feel like, oh, I'm a little bit peckish could probably eat or maybe you get busy at work and then before you know it, you're like, oh geez I'm ravenous but you knew that that was happening with emotional hunger it's normally very abrupt this drive to eat is normally boom triggered by something and then it's like right I need to eat now you know that release of cortisol I want sugary fatty foods and I want it now when you are physically hungry you will typically want a variety of foods it's not just one specific thing you could put a big salad in front of you and you'd be like, yeah, for what? I'll eat that. Whereas with emotional hunger, it is that one or more type of foods that I want that donut, I want a burger, I want a slice of pizza or whatever it might be that you typically emotionally eat with. Physical hunger tends to peak at quite usual eating time. So if you're somebody that does have quite a set routine when they eat, you'll find that if you eat every day around 7am, one day when you don't eat at 7am, you'll feel that hunger. Um, your body kind of is expecting that food and it's not there and then a few hours later you'll feel hungry again and that's kind of a very normal response so it will peak at usual times emotional hunger um tends not to be something that we can satisfy very easily so with physical hunger it will peak at usual times and then we will eat until the point where we usually feel quite full and then we stop emotional hunger there's kind of no sense of satisfaction and that's why it can lead to overeating and then what comes with that is a real sense of like guilt or shame. So they're the kind of key differences for you to know like, oh, well, am I eating because I'm hungry or is it something a little bit different to that? So some tips and things that I have suggested with some of the people that I work with at the moment or I've worked with in the past to kind of overcome this emotional eating or feel a little bit more in control. One of the best things you can do if this is something that you feel is happening is record it. So record. And maybe it's recording the events that go on in your life, what happens day to day, or recording thoughts and feelings around the time when you emotionally eat. Um, so then you start to identify triggers. And you might do this for one or two weeks. But you might also find that there's only certain emotions that are responsible for your overeating. And it might just be boredom. It might just be stress. It might be that when you're bored, you don't actually eat. You go and do something. It might be that when you're stressed, you're in the cupboard before you know it. So keeping a kind of record of thoughts and feelings and things that are happening, maybe it's something at work, it's a particular day, a particular meeting, a particular person. Um, and what that brings about, that emotion that comes with it, is going to help you better be prepared for when this happens again. Another thing that's really helpful, and to be honest, this is helpful in lots of scenarios, not just around food. Um, and I got this or I read about this in a book that's called The Joy of Half a Cookie. And the book is about mindfulness-based eating and they use meditation and mindfulness to help people with binge eating. And they use what's called grounding. And what they're trying to do is create some space between a trigger and then the reaction. So the reaction 
is usually food, but it can be anything. It could be going in online shopping. It could be going and opening a bottle of wine. Whatever you have, the reaction to this trigger that you think is negative. So using techniques like this to ground yourself can really change the course of the decision that you're about to make. And I do this all the time. You know, it might even be something that you use when you feel like, you know, texting an ex that you shouldn't text. <laughs> use some grounding. Um, but asking some questions out loud. So if you feel an urge, to go and eat you're a little bit stressed or anxious just stopping yourself and saying what am I feeling right now am I hungry how will I feel if I eat this what do I actually need and asking yourself some questions can help you create that space in order to go I'm not actually hungry I'm just stressed or instead of doing this I'm gonna go with my friend or I just feel a bit bored so instead of eating because I'm not hungry I'm gonna go and do a workout or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go and clean the kitchen, whatever it might be. I'm using really boring examples because we're in lockdown and there's the only thing that we've got to do. But all you're doing is creating some sort of space. You might ask yourself these questions and go, actually, yeah, I am hungry. Or actually, no, I'm not hungry, but I still want to have this donut and I'm going to own it and I'll feel fine afterwards. Um, the donut is what I need. But just having that space can mean that you are actually making the decision um, and you're not kind of feeling that out of controlness out of controlness we're going to have it it's a word if we look at the research we do see that um the feeling of a craving kind of peaks and then at about 30 minutes on average it it then subsides so if you can kind of create that space or do something else for 30 minutes that craving for food or whatever it may typically goes away or you might just go yeah I still want it I'm going to do it but that's the key to, to kind of identifying if it's something that's problematic. Is it something that you want to be doing all the time? And it might, it might not be asking, am I hungry or how will I feel if I eat this? It might be a different action, like how will I feel if I do this? What will be the consequence? You've got to think about afterwards because that's the bit where mostly it's problematic. It's not in the minute when you're eating. It's not having that donut. The donut's not the problem. It's normally what happens after that. The feelings of guilt and shame and then it's a cycle and then you're kind of berating yourself. So... Finding alternatives as well. So we're kind of working on identifying which emotions cause you to eat. Then you can start to identify different things to engage in, like we just said. So what am I feeling? I'm feeling lonely. Um, so what can I do instead? I can go and, hang on, she muted. There you go. Hey, Angela. Um, I'm feeling lonely. What can I do? I can go and FaceTime my mom. I can FaceTime a friend. Oh, how am I feeling? I'm actually feeling quite happy and I want to share it with someone. Those kind of things. If you know what you're feeling, you know what you can feed it with. Um, and having that kind of, if I feel like this, then I will do this. What we call if then implementations, which we've talked about before. When we talked about habits and goal setting. That can really help you feel a little bit more in control. And again, if you've got alternatives, then it doesn't really matter if you do sometimes turn to food because you have got these alternatives. You're not just always turning to food. Um, another thing is like, although we're looking at the emotions and how to feel the emotions, look at what might be, uh, sorry, feeling the emotions, what might be fueling the emotions in the first place. Um, and this is something that I really had to look into when I was suffering with a lot of anxiety and it wasn't that I was turning to food, but there were things in my life that weren't helping me. I wasn't really sleeping very well. I wasn't prioritizing sleep. I didn't have a sleeping pattern. I was drinking quite a lot and these things kind of made it worse. So 
if you're trying to look at ways to stop emotionally and that's all well and good but also looking at ways of like am I actually making these emotions worse than they need to be am I getting enough sleep you know am I regularly moving am I not excessively boozing all the time um do you have hobbies things that you can do a little bit limited because it's locked down but having other things that bring you joy and fulfillment and things that actually feed into your health like sleep um are really going to help with the actual emotions that you're feeling. I know it sounds obvious, but sometimes we just don't take care of number one. And I'm sure there's a few people on this that are thinking, yeah, I probably could take care of number one a little bit better. Um, some other tips are refraining from using negative self-talk. So it's very easy when you've overeaten to go, oh, such a dickhead. Why did I do that? Why did you do that, you twat? Why did you go and eat that? You didn't need it. That doesn't really create positive change. Um, and we know that feelings of guilt and shame are associated with more emotionally and they're associated with binge eating. So if you are projecting that guilt and shame onto yourself, it's not really a good place to elicit change. When you are trying to change habits, there are going to be some backsliding, whether it's trying to stop emotionally eating or anything that you do, there is going to be some backward movement at some point. That's quite natural. It needs to be something that you use as like a bit of a lesson, something that you learn from and you reflect on for future, not something that is like, oh, told you, there you go, can't do it. You need to be really mindful of the language that you use with yourself around this. Um, that's another key thing that, that I think a lot of us can take away from this. Like I said before, recording things. Um, so keeping a log or a diary, and this might go hand in hand with what you eat, and you might find that certain situations that you eat in trigger stuff later in the day. Um, or certain things that you do, you might be able to reframe so that they are less stressful. Like, I know it sounds really obvious, but if you're not kind of keeping a track and reflecting, then you, you don't know what you need to change or what you even can change. Um, avoiding being becoming too hungry. Now, again, doesn't really sound like something that would maybe affect emotional eating, but the chances of you overeating if you're emotional and hungry are just going to be a lot higher. And you're going to be less inclined to make better choices. Like I've said, you know, sometimes you are going to have the less nutritious, more processed options. But if you're hungry and emotional, the chances are it's more of a physiological drive rather than a choice. And that's when it might make you feel guilt and the rest of it afterwards. Practicing mindfulness and meditation. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it all the time. I hold my hands up. I'm not somebody that meditates. I do practice mindfulness and I do have kind of mindful moments and going out hiking for me is quite mindful and it helps me be present and reflect on stuff um I'm not really someone that can kind of sit still eyes closed that kind of jazz I've got ADHD doesn't work that way very very active person so my mindfulness comes in activity but anything that you can find that brings you into the present brings you basically some awareness into what's going on in that moment but without judgment can help you to acknowledge what's going on and help you figure out how to feel better is the easiest way that I can put it. So there's lots of free apps out there to try if you're not someone that meditates or even a little bit of journaling can help. Just writing down your thoughts, writing down what's gone on that day can just help to pull it out of your brain, put it on paper and then, you know, come up with some scenarios or some tools that, that might help you in the future. And then I think the biggest one to kind of end on is accepting your emotions and 
without sound, sounding too airy-fairy, feel your feelings because that is what is going to keep driving your emotional eating if you don't acknowledge and accept how you feel. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's not very nice sometimes. But if you don't accept them, you don't deal with them and you'll always be constantly seeking to escape them and fill this void or distract or distract. Um, and I am a very firm believer in that you can't suppress the bad and then fully feel the good as airy fairy as that also sounds so you need to accept them all um and I think that's a really key thing in addressing any kind of negative patterns that can come um from not feeling your feels and that is pretty much the talk in a nutshell like it could be hours and hours longer but I didn't want to keep here for hours. I just wanted to get some key points in because this is something that does come up quite a bit, especially with us being in lockdown. And that is basically the end of the talk that I gave in the group. Um, apologies if the sound wasn't great. I was using my AirPods. Uh, but if there are any questions from that, if you're listening to this back on Spotify, on podcast, or if you are in the group and you have questions, feel free to drop me a message or an email and I'll get back to you. Um, I hope this episode and this talk was useful and you took some things away from it. And I will catch you next time.